I'd like to welcome everyone to today's How to Franchise Simply Teleconference. Um, we're privileged to have John Dwyer joining us today. Um, I'll give you a bit of background of John. If you don't know of him, you'll find it quite, uh, quite an interesting introduction because John's actually the founder of the WOW Institute, which is an extraordinary marketing organization. John, I must say I'm very, very pleased that he, was, um, he agreed to come online with us because he's a hard man to get hold of because he's very much in demand. and. Uh, He's a very innovative marketer. His background, I'll just give you a little bit of, of, of info for your point of view, but John may choose to add to it. But uh, in his 20s, he was the national marketing manager of Woolworths, so a high flyer, obviously creative inspiration at an early age. He was recognized, and he ran his own agency, and he's worked with clients such as News Limited and Nine Television, Coca-Cola, Westfield, and a whole heap more. So um, a very broad background. Having said that, what I'd like to do is to... Uh, introduce you to, to John, um, and he'll tell you uh, basically why every business needs a wow factor. So John, welcome to the, uh, uh, to the teleconference. Thank you, Brian, and thank you for the introduction. Not at all. Would you perhaps like to add anything at all to your background? I didn't mention your, uh, your, star, your starring performance of recent years with uh, um, a well-known television personality, but uh, <laughs> you may need to, well, I like to mention that because I think it's, uh, it's useful. Yeah, well, thank you for giving me a lead in for that. And, um, and uh, yes, gosh, uh, back at uh, all those years ago at Woolworths, I was in my 20s, and uh, I'm now in my 50s. That was a long, long time ago. But, uh, <laughs> I, I must say that that was a great grounding tool for me in terms of marketing uh, because uh, you've probably heard it time and time again that uh, people say often that uh, if you have a teenager towards the latter teenage years, that uh, the best training ground you can send them to would either be Woolworths or McDonald's. And uh, they are a great training ground, there's no question about that. But uh, just on the subject that you were alluding to, um, uh, yes, I had some association in recent times, in recent years, with uh, none other than Jerry Seinfeld. Um, one of my clients happens to be a, a reasonably moderate-sized Australian bank. Uh, in fact, it's not a bank, but it's a, it's a building society. And uh, it's called the Greater Building Society. And it's uh, very well known in regional New South Wales and parts of uh, Queensland, but certainly isn't in the big capital cities. It's nowhere near as big as the big four banks. And yeah, fortunately, uh, a couple of years ago, I was able to score Jerry Seinfeld to be their company spokesman in all their advertising, so it certainly has put them on the map. Excellent. All right, well, just a quick reminder for the couple who have come on board since John just started the introduction there. Um, if, uh, to avoid any irritating background noise and feedback, if you can just press star 6 and that will mute your phone. Um, take a note of any questions or comments you'd like to make. If you'd like to ask any questions later, we'll give you the opportunity and we'll run through the unmute process then. So um, I'll kick off with one question for John and we'll sort of uh, share some bits and pieces as we go. So John, um, I suppose the obvious question is why does every business need a wow factor? <laughs> um, yeah, look, I think, Brian, you're probably going to know you will, certainly, because you've hung around uh, me in a few conversations. You know what the answer is going to be. But uh, I guess it's uh, the same reason that um, um, a girl's going to wear a bright dress when she goes to her first dance. She wants to stand out from the crowd. And uh, I think that we live in a uh, sea of mediocrity um, in a lot of ways in Australian business. Um, I think we can take a big leaf out of uh, the Americans, um, and don't get me wrong, I'm not giving them a, 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 a you know, pat on the back entirely. They do some things that are silly too, but in terms of marketeering, uh, they certainly lead the way, and uh, I believe that every business needs a wow factor, 
outside of its branding, it's fine to have a brand, and certainly that is the most important thing that any business has, just as it is the most important thing that we have as a personal brand. But you need more than that. You need the Woolworths four cents a litre off your petrol. Uh, you need the Harvey Norman two years interest free. You need something or a series of somethings that can provide you with an artificial wow factor outside of your organic one. So, for example, Richard Branson at um, Virgin Airlines, I think they have an organic wow factor. Just the way that they run their business is very, very different from Jetstar or any other airline. They have an organic wow factor with their um, extreme customer service. Uh, but I believe that uh, if a business even still does have that, you need to have artificial wow factors as well. Right, I'm with you. I understand what you mean. That's an interesting one with Virgin. It's something we should all aim for, I suppose, but reality says to achieve that for most businesses is probably beyond reality. It's uh, quite an extraordinary achievement they have. But, uh, yeah, it's good to have comparisons like that. I find, you know, sort of analogies are are really helpful in sort of getting a gauge of things. Yeah, Yeah, well, mate, just just take a country town, for example. I lived in a little country town called Gloucester, uh, New South Wales, which is in the upper Hunter Valley area for quite some years, and... uh, there were two butchers opposite each other in town, and uh, this is a true story. It's not one that I just concocted up for the sake of my seminars and, and things like that. This is exactly what happened. The one butcher decided that it was so hot that he closed his door and had a little sign that you know he was air conditioned inside, and he had the normal window display of his meats. The other guy across the road um, kept his door open. He had a special air conditioner vent that blew down, like the clubs do and the hotels do, so that even when you went in, you were still cold. Uh, but he'd work out how to do it so that he could leave his door open and, and be welcoming. And uh, his wow factor was, uh, I guess, an organic one. He was a happy-go-lucky guy where the guy across the road wasn't. Um, so people just tended to gravitate to him because he was a nice fellow. He was always singing behind the counter. He was a singing butcher. But guess what else he did? He had a barbecue outside practically every day of the week. If it wasn't raining, he had a barbecue outside, cooking snags and all sorts of samples, and he would give them to everyone that walked past. Who do you think? The, the butcher was who won most of the business in town. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It reminds me, I was taught by a real estate agent when I was selling real estate to some of my own developments donkeys years ago, 30 or 40 years ago, that uh, having a coffee machine brewing um, in the kitchen. Uh, yep. When you've got, got somewhere on the market, you've got people walking through. Yep. And I suppose bakers with their bread baking away so you can smell it as you walk past them in the uh, in the shopping centre or down the high street. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. No, I appreciate that. It's a good comment. Uh, it's probably something that a lot of us got the opportunity of doing, but never, never actually take the step of doing it. No. No. Yeah, it's, uh, no. So much of this thing is, is, is straightforward, but it's having that observation. And I think someone from your, the great thing I see with someone of your background and skills is, is you're outside the box, so you can look at it with fresh eyes, and it's just so important. Well, it is. It's funny, you know, the, um, the Woolworths regime taught us that uh, the Woolworths manager um, in the suburban store trips over that cardboard box at the front door every day when he opens up the shop but just doesn't think about it. He becomes store blind. Mm. And it's not until someone comes from head office who's outside his normal, you know, geographic region that says, hey, what do you got the box in the middle of the doorway there for? Uh, we all become store blind. And it's amazing. Um, a lot of the advice I give my clients really is common sense. But it's just that they're so busy in their own nine-to-five business, mm. sometimes mm. they become store blind. Yeah, and then we all get stuck with the doing things, you know, it's, um, without looking at the big picture, ignoring it. Marketing is one thing that, you know, I think people put in a too-hard basket a lot of the time. They think just because they run a couple of ads, they've met their requirements and uh, <laughs> they can sit back and let it happen. Yeah. Um, yeah. Something I think I've heard you mention before, and uh, along the same lines of what you're saying here is, 
the importance of delivering the unexpected. So in other words, providing people with something that really is just out of the ordinary, I guess. That's part of what you're saying. Would you like to add to that a little bit or make any comments? Uh, yeah, yeah, look, um, um, I think the best way of creating attention in any environment is um, to live in the unexpected. And uh, can you imagine um, being at a cocktail party and Robin Williams was there, do you think that he might just be delivering the unexpected in the sort of um, gags that he would be telling? And he would attract attention because he's delivering the unexpected. And uh, and even the butcher shop analogy that I just mentioned to you, um, that's not necessarily expected that he'd be having a barbecue outside his shop. Imagine if it was a hairdressing salon and they said, oh, lucky you, you've come on this Tuesday, we're giving a free 12-minute head massage today. Now, how much does a head massage mm. cost your head? Absolutely nothing. But what's the best part of getting your hair oh. cut? Of course. You're and driving. <laughs> my scalp's tingling, as yeah, you mentioned. Well, yeah, my kids, I've got six children, and they age from 14 through to 25 these days, so therefore they're not about to scratch my head. But I know when they were younger, <laughs> I could con them uh, by giving them 50 cents or whatever it might be to give me a, you know, a head massage for five minutes, and uh, then you'd pay them another 50 cents. It was so good to keep going. Uh, and of course, at five or six years of age, you can con them to do that. You can't do that anymore. But I'm surprised that a hairdresser doesn't deliver the unexpected and uh, and even past the unexpected, make it a, a permanent wow factor. Free 12-minute or 15-minute head massages with every haircut. Can you imagine? I think there'd be a queue at the door. That's the best part about having a haircut. And you can have a junior there. You don't have to be paying seniors' rates. You're not losing haircutting opportunities or business. No, I don't think there's too many, uh, I don't think you'd have to do three years at uh, head massaging school to learn how to do it. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'll tell them what I want in a minute. <laughs> but also, Brian, I was just putting together a radio ad yesterday for a pest control company who happens to be one of my clients, and uh, um, they had been given a script from the local radio station, and uh, the script basically said, um, uh, for all your pest uh, control needs, um, and ring this number because we are the professionals and we can get rid of your spiders and cockroaches, blah, blah, blah. Uh, essentially, the sound effect I give an ad like that is, you know, <laughs> it was so predictable, it was so mediocre. Yeah. And so I said to the um, client when they showed me this pathetic 30-second um, script that was put together by the pretty lame uh, radio station creative department, I said, look, give it to me and I'll fix it. So uh, the script now, uh, and by the way, I said to them, the pest control company, you do realise that February, because they wanted something to happen in February, and I said, you do realise it's International Cockroach Month, don't you? And, uh, <laughs> and of course, the client said, uh, and they're a pest control business, uh, you think they'd know that. I said, what are you talking about? There's no such thing. I said, well, there is now. It's International Get Rid of Cockroach Month, and uh, what we're going to do is, you know, build everything around. Anyway, they've got a special $99 deal to get in and kill all your cockroaches, and then they'll upgrade you like most smart businesses to, you know, an extra $40, we'll get rid of spiders and, and so on and so forth. So anyway, the ad now starts off with a woman in the kitchen screaming, and I mean she's screaming, it's a horror, <laughs> blood-curdling scream, and I won't annoy your listeners by doing it here, but it's, ah, you know, and she yells out at the top of her voice, cockroaches, cockroaches, they're in my kitchen and bathroom, I've had it, and then another more soothing female voice comes in, get rid of your cockroaches quickly, with so-and-so, you know, pest control special offer of $99 for cockroach treatment. It's celebrating the Get Rid of Cockroach Month internationally in February, and it gets even better. If you actually get this done, you'll be in a $100,000 draw, blah, blah, blah. Now, the point is, delivering that unexpected by some woman screaming to your radio oh. 
will have a much bigger impact than the traditional lane ad that was put together by the radio station. Brilliant example. Thank you for that. Um, now, once you've got those customers, of course, or you're speaking to prospects, actually retaining them for future use is something that uh, businesses generally are pretty, pretty lame about as well. Yeah. And I know that's something that's close to your heart. Ah, oh, you've just you've 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 just hit a, a nerve. Good on you. <laughs> <laughs> um, I hope you're sitting comfortably. Database, uh, yeah, database is made. I mean, um, and I'm sure your listeners to this call. Uh, recognise the value of it, but sometimes they just don't collect the name and the email addresses and the mobile numbers, and uh, uh, it's one of my pet hates. I cannot believe it, but um, here I am in my 50s, and uh, I have never once been asked uh, by a restaurant, I've been into lots and lots of restaurants and cafes, never once, not once, have I ever been asked my name, my email address, my normal address, or my phone number. And it's I just think that is absolutely crazy. Now, I'm picking on restaurants, but it stands for any business. Um, mm. Mm. I just cannot believe. Can you believe that, you know, the reason that Google bought YouTube um, is because of the database, and the reason that Amazon is worth all the money they are is because of the database, and so on and so forth. And, and yet, you can walk into just about any business in Australia, uh, Woolworths, Bunnings, Coles, uh, McDonald's, nobody asks for your name or any personal details. It's just great. Dream World and Movie World, I live on the Gold Coast and they have one to one and a half million people go through their theme parks a year and they don't collect one name or email address or phone number. Now, they do if you buy one of their annual passes or one of their special VIP passes, but the vast majority of people that are here to go you know, on the Gold Coast and go through the theme parks that they could annoy to the rest of their life for the rest of their lives with emails and all sorts of it. They don't know who they are. They just basically come, they go, they had a dinner party, they don't know who came. Now, they're living in the early 90s and the 80s, I think, because, you know, it used to be a lot of work. You know, send out a hard copy letter, and I, and I, I know they're of great value still, but a big database these days with electronic mailing and all the facilities you can get through the Internet, I mean, they're of no effort whatsoever. It's an uh, extraordinary waste. Yeah. And you know what, you know what Brian? The, uh, the grand final of the NRL uh, in Sydney, the football, had 82,000 people there. They have not got one name or one email address. Now, Ticketek do, but the rugby league don't have any relationship with the booking agency. So it's just crazy. Whatever business you're in, do not, from tomorrow onwards, let anybody buy anything from you or even ask you about that, even a prospect. Just get as many details as you can. And, you know, one of the big things now is the mobile number because 95% mm. of SMS messages are open within 60 seconds. Whereas the open rate for emails, as we as we all know, can be as low as you know ten, twenty percent. Yeah, and dropping. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. And you can you can send out SMSs uh, in bulk uh, very very uh, economically these days. There's lots of agencies, so you don't even have to do it yourself. No. Yeah, absolutely. No, that's uh, that's a very good point. So um, now I know that you're very close, obviously, with 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 your um, with, with your philosophy as far as emotional direct response marketing because what you're doing is appealing to your customer. It's something that's, uh, I suppose, in the general marketplace, a lot of people are not familiar with the term or what it really means. Um, could you give us a bit of an explanation of what it actually is and why it's just so important for every business, irrespective of whether you're Woolworths or the local corner store? Brian, you have just touched on the mantra of the Institute of Wow, haven't you? <laughs> um, yeah, mate, look, uh, uh, here I am sounding like a big organisation. Here at the Institute of Wow, <laughs> yeah, the Institute of Wow, me and a couple of employees. Um, but look, the, the, uh, yeah, the emotional direct response um, marketing tactics is something that um, 
We see on the Kerry-Ann Kennelly TV show of the morning uh, and have seen when Bert Newton was doing it, basically it's all about providing people with a problem and then giving them the solution. So you'll see that on any of those long format tutorials that you see on TV, whether it's the proactive for the teenagers where they show the pimply face and then of course they use the cream and miraculously within a month they've got clear skin or whether it's the overweight woman who takes the uh, the shake formula and within a couple of months she's lost um, you know so many kilos it's all about providing someone uh, with a problem and then giving them the solution and that is the most powerful marketing weapon in the world um, now obviously I suggest you put a dollop of wow factor in there as well but the actual methodology of emotional direct response marketing is without doubt the most powerful form of marketing in the world, I believe. And uh, if anyone's listening and they wanted to just take down the five um, components of emotional direct response marketing, um, I'll just go through them very Yeah, quickly. brilliant, brilliant. Thank you. Number one, bonus. number one, present someone with a problem. And if they don't have a problem, give them one. Uh, and uh, the example of that would be, are you overweight? Okay. Uh, number two, aggravate that problem or exaggerate it um, and that would be well summer's only around the corner and you want to look good in your swimming costume gee you better do something about it number three is provide the solution and that might be a weight loss program it might be a silver bullet magic uh, shake formula whatever it is you provide them with the solution okay so therefore you've given them a problem you've aggravated and now you've come to the rescue with the solution number four you provide proof which traditionally is either scientific proof, so, you know, Dr. So-and-so said that this is the most remarkable weight loss program he has ever seen, and if it's not scientific proof, it's testimonial proof. So, you know, they have a whole bunch of people say, look, I took the magic pill and I lost so many pounds or kilos. And then, of course, the very end is call to action. Okay, so once you've given them the solution and you've offered the proof, you then say call, you know, 13, 14, 72, whatever the number might be, or go to this website. And if you stick to that, no matter what product or service you have, then just watch the phones light up. Yeah, it's it's something that I think is one of those rules that just doesn't change. I mean, you've just got a formula and you stick to it, isn't it? Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. And uh, as you say, incredibly powerful. So um, from that point of view, I suppose um, you're appealing to people's emotions, to the buyer's emotions. You're, being, you're appealing to them directly with something, as you say, that they can see as their issue, their challenge. Um, but... Obviously, you get people responding to your advertising or coming in your shop, whatever it might be, who aren't necessarily going to make a decision here and now. Um, and a lot of businesses make the mistake of if you, if you say you're ready to buy now, they'll give you your time of day. Otherwise, they just ignore you. <laughs> um, now this, this is something that always used to irritate me when I was in retail particularly. Um, and um, I suppose you're very, one's very conscious of that, but uh, it doesn't seem to have changed, does it? Um, it's something you see everywhere, and it's an opportunity people miss. Uh, well, what's your comments on that, John? Um, well, yeah, we, we call that sort of business, um, um, I guess, tunnel visioned in that they're only looking for today buyers. They're not looking for tomorrow buyers. Um, and uh, and a big marketing company in the U.S. recently uh, put together a psychology of uh, buying um, research study. And what it showed that, um, uh, it's quite staggering really, that just about across all products and services, it doesn't really matter whether you're selling lounge suites or you're a dentist, pretty much um, only about 3% of your target audience is in a buying now frame of mind. Okay, So there's only about 3% of people that you're talking to in your target audience that are really interested in getting their tooth whitened today or interested in buying a lounge suite today. 
And it means, you know, if you were to letterbox uh, market 100 homes in your area, there'd only be three of those people that were ready to buy today. Uh, and the shocking fact is, of course, that, you know, probably 99% of all advertising in every newspaper this afternoon on TV tonight will all be targeted at the buying now category. It's buy now, blah, 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 blah. But what they don't do is think about, you know, the tomorrow buyers. And so, therefore, really what, you know, when you're putting your marketing plan together, consider those people that, you know, may be interested in getting their teeth whitened in the next month. Um, there might be some that, you know, wanting to get their, white, their teeth whitened in the next six months. And so, therefore, when you do your marketing, make sure that, yes, by all means, you use scarcity tactics or you use time-sensitive tactics to get as many people as you possibly can to order today, but also have a facility in there where you can capture data so that you can contact those people that might not be in the market today. And the best way to do that is to provide them with a free gift. And so it might be, for argument's sake, that uh, if you were a dentist and you were into teeth whitening, you would say, look, if you're not ready to buy uh, this month, and, and hopefully you will be because you've got a special offer on, please leave your name and details here if you're interested in some time in the next 12 months, and we'll send you out a free report of just how quickly and how, in, how efficiently teeth whitening can happen. And we'll also give you a coupon that will give you some sort of benefit if you come back and do that for us. Right, I'm with you. So it's capturing them while they're there and uh, basically, I suppose, while you've got the opportunity and, and you're not in a sales environment really because you've recognised, you've been smart enough to recognise that no matter how much you labour on, they're not going to make a decision. No. So I guess you buy their, you also, what you do is get their respect because uh, you're behaving professionally. Well, you do, and, and look, a mutual friend of ours, Mal Emery, um, highlights um, this in you know, his uh, presentation. He said that if you were in an audience uh, and you were selling um, uh, membership to a gymnasium club and you said, look, who here and now would like to you know, become a member of our gymnasium and there were 100 people in the audience, probably three would put their hand up and go, you know, I want to get into it right now. But he said if you then said to them, well, like, who's thinking about doing it maybe at some stage in the next month or two, you'll find that there'll be another 7, maybe another 10% of people will put up their hand. Now, if you had not asked that question, then you wouldn't know who they are, and then obviously you'd take their details. And then if you said, who here recognises that if you're overweight and you're not exercising, then there's every chance that it'll take 10 years of your life. Who's concerned about that? Another 10 or 15% of people will put up their hand. And by going through that process, you'll end up with, out of 100 people, maybe 30 or 40% of them that are at least prospects. I mean, we're not saying they'll all convert, but at least they're prospects because you've asked the question a different way. You haven't just looked at today's buyers, people who today would join up to your gymnasium. So what you budget in your normal day-to-day -day business for getting a buyer today for that same budget, what you're actually doing is capturing a significant uh, client, potential client base at no extra cost. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, so, so, long as, so long as you collect the data, of course. Yes, of course. Sure yeah, they yeah. get away without giving you that. So effectively, you're, you're reducing the cost per sale of whatever your product might be in the longer term. Yes. Right. Yes. Okay. All yes. right. And you mentioned, you know, a few things here in your a few words you dropped in in your discussions and so forth. And uh, um, one that I know is uh, is important. Something you you recognise is the need to be seen as an expert. So. Um, in order to, to draw people, I suppose, and get their attention and their respect. What, what, how do you see that as something that the average business can actually create, I suppose, the, uh, the expert uh, image or respect? Yeah, look, um, and I know you're 
predominantly dealing with franchise businesses, uh, but the same principle applies, despite the fact that um, uh, a lot of members of your program would be under an umbrella of a franchise. The thing is, is that um, they can still individually be promoting themselves as the expert. And, and you know, my view is, is that we all gravitate to experts. Um, and Steve Irwin was a classic case of that. He was not the only crocodile expert in the world. He was one of lots of them. But the world gravitated to Steve Irwin, A, because he promoted himself as the expert, and probably B, because he had a quirky personality. But the same thing with Don Burke, the, um, the gardening guy. We gravitate to him, but he's not the only gardening expert in town, but he promotes himself as the expert. The master chefs at the moment, I mean, they're not the only chefs in town, but we gravitate naturally to them because we see them as the experts on television. So my view is, is that um, acknowledge that people gravitate to expertise. So make sure that you promote yourself in whatever business you're in as the absolute expert and just, you know, you'll find people just naturally will gravitate to you. Right, so we're talking there about individual skills as well as maybe, team, you know, your team members' skills and so forth. And I suppose it applies to products. I mean, people buy a BMW because they're the experts on creating machinery that just never stops. Yep. Uh, yep. I understand what you mean. Yeah. yeah. No, yeah. And, and look, the, the thing is, is that um, I, I, you know, I practice this on a personal basis because, uh, as, as you know, Brian, uh, similar to yourself, I hold seminars for small businesses to learn more about marketing tactics and uh, my marketing that goes out to um, the target audience before I appear at the WRSL or wherever I'm on at, um, talks about John DeWire, um, you know, the guy that runs the Institute of Wow, he's a marketing expert. If I just said, look, John DeWire is a guy that you know, knows a few things about advertising, I don't think I'd pull a crowd. No, no. I suppose the point there that um, I'm very conscious of is you, you do need to have the expertise, so you need to have earned the rank. Yeah. Um, but as you say, there are a number of, there are always plenty of people out there who've probably got comparable skills, um, but uh, you, you, you need to promote it, and that's where I suppose creating your profile intelligently um, and so forth, and then and then li living that space. I suppose it's a matter of having the dignity and the uh, uh, the discipline to uh, to retain that sort of space and, and own it. Well, you know, I've got a client um, at the moment, Brian, who's a client, and, and I agree with you. I mean, obviously, from an integrity point of view, you have to be uh, an expert. You have to be very good at something. Um, otherwise, that you, know, you couldn't do it. I understand that. But, I mean, I would suggest that most of the listeners to this interview, um, you know, members of your program, could consider, well, would consider themselves to be experts at what they do. So um, I have a, a client at the moment who is a travel business specialising in Gen Ys, um, buying into their program where they go overseas to Canada or to England or America and this particular travel company um, sets them up for work. So therefore they might want to go, the young kids might want to go to the Canadian ski fields mm -hmm. and this particular company will you know, make sure that they have a Skype interview with potential uh, employers over in the ski fields and by the time they get there there's a job waiting for them. They've already gone through the interview process on Skype. So basically... Um, you know, they are experts at placing um, 20-somethings into jobs um, so that they can pay for their party lifestyle when they're, when they're there. Um, but, you know, when I met with them a few weeks ago and I sat down and people become part of my program, we have a half-day workshop and go through their business and then basically I come back with recommendations. But when I was sitting down with them, Brian, the interesting thing was is that all of their language was, we're experts at this, we're experts at that, we know all about this, we know how to get kids... Um, we know how to you know, make the, the parents feel very safe that their 21-year-old will have a good job when they get to Canada in the ski fields and blah, blah, blah. Do you know not once on their website did they have the word expert? Is that right? Wow. 
Probably. <laughs> Unintentional. Wow. Unintentional. No, wow. So when they were this rabbiting way, on, yeah, when they were rabbiting on to me, and I'm sure if they were rabbiting on at a party, they would claim to be experts, but not anywhere on their website or their collateral did they communicate that they were experts. Yeah, and, and I, I can understand that because, you know, we're, we're I suppose there's a, people say Australians are outgoing, but there's a limit, and we tend to be a little bit humble, and um, yep. I suppose there's a habit of hiding your achievements under a, you know, under a bushel, as it yeah. were, and not um, not actually using it for the value that it's got. Yep. Yeah. Uh, that's an important point, I think, and it's something that uh, I think people tend to be, we're all inclined to be a bit shy in some respects. We need to sort of put that to the side and just accept, you know, I suppose, uh, and acknowledge the fact that we deserve to be up there. Well, of course, the other, Make it happen. The other bonus is, uh, from being the expert is people will pay more money to you. Um, you know, you can imagine that um, if you were, you know, if you had a crooked heart and you wanted to get heart surgery, uh, the guy in his 40s or 50s that says, look, I've been around the game for a while and uh, I will fix your heart valve and it will cost you $50,000 versus the guy that just came out of medical school who is not the expert says, look, I can do it for 10. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think we'd be prepared to pay the 50. <laughs> yes, that's right. So... What you, you're leading into here, I suppose, is that by being an expert, you can command your value in the marketplace as opposed to chasing the price down with the, the trend that's become, particularly in retail, very evident, and I suppose across everything in marketing these days, it's all price-driven, isn't it? Oh, it is, absolutely, and uh, uh, particularly in retail, uh, it's such a shame. I mean, as you know, Brian, I'm speaking at a, at a retail conference or two in the near future, and uh, one of the things I'll be saying to retailers is that um, if they really want to take on the, the online onslaught, um, A, of course, make sure that they've got their own presence online, but B, go back to um, retailing being an experience. So I'm not just saying retailing, when obviously any business should be an experience. Richard Branson makes sure that when you travel with um, you know, with, with Virgin, it is an experience, whereas Jetstar basically just cram you on their plane. <laughs> <and that's all. laughs> it's an experience, but of a different kind. <laughs> <laughs> of a different kind. Um, and so, you know, part of my presentation that I'll be giving is saying, well, Meyer and David Jones have been jumping up and down about the online uh, world taking all their sales, and, you know, why don't they get charged, why, why don't we get charged tax when we, you know, buy stuff online overseas uh, and so forth? Well, I say to Meyer, why don't you think about going back to the old days and creating an experience where you used to have the guy with the cap in the elevator greeting customers when they would go to you know, the haberdashery floor on you know, number four of the building. Uh, why don't you have someone who's almost like a maitre d' at the front door with a bow tie welcoming everyone that comes into my? Why don't you have an exclusive Italian coffee shop within the environment of Maya to make sure that all of those things are a shopping experience? They're not doing any of that. It's just turned into a normal, regular store. And I really think that if they want to take on, you know, the online world, then create an experience. Absolutely. You know, I mean, and there are the examples out there. A number of the people listening may have seen, and you may have seen, the, the figures that released for Apple for the last quarter. Absolutely mind-blowing. They're, um, I mean, Apple are not cheap. Um, they don't offer discounts. Uh, they don't sell very much through other retailers because they give you next to no margin. And yet their shops, I went through the one in Rabina there uh, when I was up 10 days ago, I suppose, on the Gold Coast, and uh, absolutely stunning. The rest of the shopping centres deserted. Yeah. But there they are charging the highest prices for their product, 
Um, you don't see them really promoting it that much in advertising. They don't fill the television screens every uh, every evening in your home and so forth. But uh, that 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 I suppose that exclusivity they've given with experts with their being an expert and price and quality. Wasn't too silly, was he? Oh, extraordinary. The more you read about the guy, I suppose we've all tended to read more of him since he unfortunately passed away. Uh, yeah. The more you realise that the guy had a sense. Um, uh, in many, many respects across the spectrum. But, I mean, in, in the last quarter, they increased their sales by something like 50%, which yes. is an extraordinary factor. Oh, and nice. they, make, they make a net profit of around 30%. Yes. And uh, most retailers are lucky to scrape in with three to five yes. net. Yes. Um, so it's, it's quite extraordinary. And they, they, got no, I mean, they, they, they maintain that margin uh, very jealously. And Brian, I don't know whether you bought anything from them, but uh, in my seminars I actually show a little 60-second video that I shot inside an Apple store at Rabina. Uh It was my youngest of my six children, the 14-year-old. Uh, about six months ago, uh, we shouted him a, an $1,800 you know, Apple computer. And uh, because he was a virgin buyer, uh, he hadn't been there before, they give a standing ovation uh, oh. to him as he leaves. The entire store just comes to a stop. The music stops. The, everything just stops, and it's a frozen moment. And all 20 employees, as you would have seen when you were there the other week, um, they've got a massive number of employees helping people within the store. And they just all stopped, and as he walked out, um, I had seen it done for one customer beforehand, and I was, it was just blown away. So I knew it would be coming up for my little guy, Shane, so I got the, you know, the, the iPhone ready to film it. And here he is walking out with a computer half the size of him um, in a big box, and the entire store was giving him a standing ovation. Now, that hmm. is delivering the unexpected. That is something special, isn't it? Yeah. 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 Um, but there's lots of, uh, lots of things we could talk about. I like to keep it disciplined and reasonably tight, so we'll be going to questions shortly. But before we go there, um, one thing I think everyone will be interested to know is something I think you've got, got you know, some, some quite... Uh, quite alert views on is getting getting free publicity for your business yep. um, an opportunity that uh, again we're all asleep on our feet I think most people in business are not alert to it but uh, would you like to allude a little bit more to, uh, to yeah, it's, um, it's just a matter of not being shy um, and uh, and also being diligent and um, systemized um, and by that I mean that look for ways that your services or your products can be newsworthy. That's what I mean about diligence. Uh, keep your eye out uh, if, for argument's sake, uh, you're in the fire extinguisher business and uh, through you know, whatever mistakes, there's been a lot of you know, um, unfortunate fires in the district uh, recently. Well, wouldn't that be time to you know, put out uh, a press release to the media about the fact that every home needs a fire extinguisher? And uh, you would alert the journalists to the importance of this by it being newsworthy because you've stated that a few places have burnt down, that a factory that burnt down and three houses have caught fire and all sorts of things. So it's a matter of you know staying pretty close to, um, I guess, keeping your ears to the ground in terms of that. And secondly, in terms of getting the publicity, uh, free publicity, it's really by putting out regular media releases. Um, and, I mean, you can do what Max Markson, the stunt, PR specialist does um, in Sydney. He's a guy that represents a lot of the celebrities where he'll get them to jump off a bridge and all sorts of silly things. I'm not, <laughs> I'm not advocating that. But, but, but try and be newsworthy. 
Um, and a, a good example is I've got some clients that you know they'll send me media releases from time to time, and they'll ask me what do you think about that, and I'll go back to them and say there's not a chance in hell that that will get into the newspaper or the radio station will put that on the news. They won't, there's not a chance because it was just an advertorial about their new kitchen wipe product or it was an advertorial on the fact that they do car servicing better than someone else. It's got to be newsworthy. Um, and if it's not newsworthy, it's got to be confrontational. And uh, I guess the best example I could give you is my own one. Um, I was doing a seminar in Newcastle towards the you know, end of last year and I realised that the Newcastle Council was having a fight with the retailers of the local mall because the council had closed down the street a couple of years earlier and just put some plants and, you know, basically the, tire, the typical tiles in the middle of the road and there was no traffic going through and it had been a disaster apparently. And so the retailers, half of them were jumping up and down saying open the street to traffic and the other half were saying no, leave it like it is. So I latched on to that and I sent a press release out and said, look, I'm going to be in town on Thursday night at the XYZ Bowling Club doing my Wow Factor presentation. But uh, in the meantime, uh, I'd like to comment on what's happening in town. I think the council should be shot. I think that they're morons. <laughs> I didn't use that language, but I said I think they're silly. Um, they went and closed off the street and instead of using the mall as an event centre like they should have, whereby they could have you know, orchid festivals and they could have, uh, you know, October fests and they can have uh, uh, beer and wine festivals and they can have uh, a car show and they can do all sorts of things attracting traffic to the mall. They just closed off the street and put a few plants and a few seats. And so that's they killed it. Anyway, I got three quarters of a page in every newspaper. Wow. Uh, you know, marketing expert says council should be, you know, sort of um, ashamed of themselves, blah, 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 blah. Gave all my commentary and at the end of it, by the way, if you want to hear more from this guy, John DeWire is in town at the Workers' Club, 7.30 Thursday night. Brilliant. But That's a great analogy too, If I send a press release to say I'm coming to town, well, who cares? Yeah, yeah. So it's building up that relationship as well with the journalists so that uh, you've got to sell it to them, I suppose, is what it comes down to, is it? Yes, it is. And look, I'm not saying that, um, that we can all spend the time on building a relationship with the journalists. And to be honest with you, I don't have that many journalist relationships at all. It's just a matter of ensuring that when you send out your media relationships, let's face it, they're all looking for news, mm. but they're not looking for advertorial. So when you do send your, your media release out, and it should always be just a one-pager, giving them enough to tease them and then they'll ring you and interview you, um, but it should be either newsworthy or provocative, because if it's just selling your product, It'll never hit the pace of the, the, the guy pass it on to the advertising department and say, ring this mob up until them take out an ad. <laughs> so do you have a rule of thumb for the number of words you should put into that, that teaser? Um, yeah, about, look, I, I couldn't tell you the number of words, but I think uh, from, from my experience, around about an A4 page um, is, is about what you should be putting together. Uh, about 300 or so. Is yeah, that, yeah, Excellent. Yeah. All right. Excellent. Look, we could go on, say, talking for a long time. There's so much uh, interesting uh, body and copy in this particular topic, but... We're, we're running out of time. What I'd like to do, unless you've got any last comment you'd like to make, John, before we go to see if there's any questions. No, not at all, mate. More than happy to answer okay. questions. Lovely. Yeah. All right. Uh, if anyone has a question there, um, and I did, I did actually make sure a couple of three were handled through the course of, the, uh, of, our, of our discussion there that people had sent me emails on. If anyone's got a question, just press star six, um, and that will unmute you, and we'll handle the, uh, handle the question you have. If you'd rather not come online... Uh, please send me an email, um, and uh, we can uh, we'll, we'll address it that way. I'll respond to you at some stage or refer you to some material. Has someone got a message there, or uh, beeped off? 
All right, I haven't got any, uh, any, anybody asking additional questions at this point, so what I'd like to do is to, is to wrap up, but I'd like also um, just to give you a little bit of background, or a little bit of, uh, I suppose, information with regards to the WOW Institute. If you'd like to learn a bit more about John's, um, John's operation and what he does and read some very interesting material, I'd recommend you go to his website. It's a very, a very simple one, theinstituteofwow.com. Um, so if you put that in your Google search, the Institute of WOW, um, or John Dwyer, you'll find you'll get that and have a look through, and you're welcome um, you know, to have a look and explore, and by all means get in touch with John if you feel you'd like to, uh, to learn some more. Um, what I'd like to do then is, is on behalf of How to Franchise Simply uh, and the listeners, thank John very much for making his time available to share this information with us today. Um, John, um, uh, all the best for 2012 and look forward to catching up with you again shortly. And I'd just like to remind our members we'll have another teleconference the end of next month and look forward to speaking to you then. My pleasure, Brian. All the very best. That's it. Thank you very much indeed. And goodbye, everyone. Thank you. Goodbye. Good night.